0: The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me as ever is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Oh, Trev. uh, let's kick off with A-League Round 6 Review. Yep. Uh, kicked off Friday night with uh, with another win mm-hmm. at home for the Mariners 1-0. Daniel McBreen header after 20 minutes was enough to uh, to take care of Melbourne Hart. Um, Mariners go to the top of the league.
2: Ticking over nicely, aren't they? Yeah. Found a style of play, grinding out results. I like Graham Arnold's comment after he, he was almost kind of boasting that he'd done a bit of ma- uh, managerial stuff by going, well, I told the players that they're susceptible to headers at the back post and that's where we got the goal. You don't really hear managers talk through... How they won the game? It almost felt like he was trying to justify, you know, that he's got some good ideas. Yeah. But you know that is how the goal came. I don't know if he told him that before, but that's what he claimed.
1: Well, I have seen there is a documentary that I saw a couple, few years ago, which is about uh, the French World Cup win,
2: right?
1: And Aimé Jacquet in the final training session before the World Cup final pulls Zidane aside and says that know, yeah, they won't pick you up from are attacking corners, they don't consider you a threat from corners. Yep. So attack the near post, and uh, we'll um, get the ball. What, to you. what
2: happened? Anything good? Look what
1: happened there. <laughs> uh, so it can be done, you know. And they do have all this video, you know, stuff there. So maybe they have. He has identified the weakness there. So it sent the Mariners briefly to the summit of the uh, of the A League. Uh, didn't last too long obviously because uh, because Adelaide United uh, soon usurped them Um, but Saturday's action kicked off in Wellington uh, where Phoenix continued their fantastic home form with uh, with a 2-1 defeat of Sydney SC things keep going from bad to worse for Sydney and 22
2: um, for Wellington now 22 games in a row unbeaten is it at home I think so I think it was
1: more than that I thought it was 24
2: maybe it's 23 now
1: maybe it is um, but Sydney can't buy a win at the moment, although they'll be encouraged to see the new uh, their new Brazilian Bruno Casarin score a neat goal, neat 1-2, um, and, and a smart finish. But Nick Ward, Mel, uh, the new signing for Melbourne Victory, won it with an absolute screamer five minutes after Sydney drew level, um, and that was enough to get, to get them home. Yep. Interesting angle on the Wellington shirts off this week in that the girls are starting to get involved, which was a source of much debate on the forums.
2: Just when I didn't think Wellington could get any better. There it is. It's pioneered something else.
1: Is there any more reason to love them? So, (laughs) Kiwi girls, we salute you. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. We love it. Uh, Lads, yep, keep doing it as well. Uh, The second game on Saturday night saw Adelaide United take care of Newcastle Jets 2-1. It was... Probably a little bit more comfortable than the scoreline suggested. Uh, Matthew Leckie and Marcus Flores. Leckie Flores, again. With an absolute Oof. great individual goal. Went past about four players. I prefer it. Nice finish.
2: I prefer that to his one the other week. Really? Yeah, I think so.
1: Two very different goals. Shows yeah. that you know, he's got you know, some absolute quality in his all-round game to be able to score. Two very different goals like that. Sean Rooney got a consolation goal for the Jets. Um, and Adelaide, back to the summit.
2: And looking good. i mean, a little bit of daylight there as well. Um, is it, you know, they're three points uh, ahead now? I mean, not a lot, but in it's early days when he played six games. Um, and, yeah, they're the only team that remain unbeaten. And it's quite a turnaround. As we said in our season preview about Adelaide before, when we were sort of listing their strengths, it sounded a bit simplistic, but they've got quality all across the pitch, haven't they? You know, there's no yeah, way they should have finished yeah. where they finished last season. So even though it's a surprise to go from bottom to top, it's not that big a surprise when you consider... The players they've got, and Leckie's kick kicking on, and Flores looks good. So,
1: Yeah, and Coolan's done a, a very good job there. Came in, you know, wasn't really heralded, um, but you can't argue with the job he's done. and He's got them playing good football, yep. tough to beat, they score goals, and deservedly sit on top of the league. Now, interesting stat here. Um, this is the first time ever in the history of National League football in Australia, including the NSL, which was formed in 1977, where... The reigning champions have been bottom of the league, and the reigning wooden spooners have been top of the league. Never yeah. happened before.
2: I mean, how often would it happen in Anywhere, any league yeah. in the world? If you, I've actually asked the Guardian on, that, yeah, on that knowledge thing, yeah, because I thought I'd get them to do it rather than me wasting time doing it. <laughs> I just wonder if you know any other league has you know finished like that. I don't think it will finish like that, but has any other league six games in being completely the other way around like that?
1: I don't know. Uh, Sunday saw Melbourne Victory inflict first uh, defeat on Brisbane Roar, first goals on Brisbane Roar this season, Yeah, uh, with a second-half blitz, um, three goals in 20 minutes from Pondoyak. Ricardinho's first uh, goal and, uh, and a screamer from Brebner. He pops up with one of those a season, normally. Um, so, yeah, 14,000 there at, at Amy Park. Um, and Melbourne... Yeah, after a very tight first half, Melbourne just came out and Ernie Merrick made you know, credit to Ernie Merrick. He made two um, two substitutions at half time, uh, taking off Kellaway, replacing him with Pondoyak and taking off De Gansic, replacing him with Sileski, which had an immediate impact, Pondoyak score in the first. Um, so credit to Merrick for changing things as early as he did.
2: Yeah, um, it's good to see that win with no Archie or Robbie Cruz. Um, experienced players stepping up. In terms of Brisbane, you know they've obviously started well. Um, slight concern is they've only scored two goals in their opening five games. One was was Matt McKay and the other one was Barbarossa who scored two in twenty-one for Wellington. So I don't think he's going to kick on and score a load of goals. So even though they're being tight at the back, in terms of being you know serious finals contenders, they need to, you know, someone needs to step up and and score score the goals.
1: Yeah, and we saw. Uh... Kevin Musket, um turn his ankle. I hate seeing those on TV. Yeah. You just know what that feels it's like. Not as so bad as a Valen-
2: Valencia one, though.
1: Oh, it? no. No. But uh, it looks like he could be facing up to four weeks um, on the sideline, which he'll be absolutely gutted about because obviously in two weeks is the uh, first Melbourne derby. Yeah. Um, which I, I don't know. I've got a very sneaking feeling that. The injury might not be as bad as that, and I think he might be coming back for that game. Someway, Some
2: way. Do you um, you know these horror injuries like the Valencia one? Yeah. Is it Ramsey? Oh, oh, yeah. Can you go back and watch him?
1: It's a bit like a car crash.
2: It's d- like whenever, know. whenever
1: I say these, it, it's like you, you don't want to look, but something tells you that you have to. Yeah. And every time I do, it actually makes me shiver. Yeah. I and c- particularly d- knees and stuff like that because I ruptured my my cruciate ligament as well, and it's just like. You see knees go the wrong way or they shouldn't go, it's just horrible. Horrible. Um on on Victory, um, it seems like, you know, that let's look at that crowd. Th- just under fourteen thousand, a touch under fourteen thousand, and the last Melbourne Heart game I think got four or five thousand there. Mm. Um it would suggest that the introduction of Melbourne Heart has merely cannibalised Melbourne Victory's uh Crowd. Yeah, you know, it doesn't appear that we've brought any new football fans into Melbourne. Yeah. It just means that Victory were used to get eighteen to twenty thousand. There were still eighteen to twenty thousand people going and watching a game of the A League, except they're now split across two teams rather than one.
2: Well, how many people are going to
1: both? Don't.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we don't know. You could look at those figures and, and draw that conclusion. We don't, you know, definitely know that's the case. I mean, you could argue that Victory's crowds were going to be down this season anyway.
1: But Melbourne have got 18,000 members, apparently. So there's 4,000 members not turned up last week, you know, which little. is strange. And they got 11,500 yesterday for the uh, for the midweek game, which was a very encouraging c- crowd for a Wednesday night. And yeah. Apparently it wasn't too warm down there. Uh, elsewhere on Sunday, the final game of the weekend was was the surprise. Was, um, was Perth beaten at home by a Jason Kalina goal for Gold Coast? Gold Coast obviously had missed a couple of weeks out of the first five. Um, now face uh, a a series of games actually face three games in a week coming up Um, crowd of ten and a half thousand there and they cost me I backed five home wins I was gutted first (laughs) four all home wins I mean I still obviously boxed it so it still came in a little bit but not as good as it was Um, that was the surprise of the week Perth never really got didn't really get going and um uh, I mean, Dave Mitchell was quick to um you know, to say that they they never really got out of first gear and you know, a little bit lackadaisical and maybe they're sort of believing their own press a little bit and um but Gold Coast, have we sort of written off Gold Coast a little bit early, do you think Trev? Well yeah I mean they've only played, they've been out of action.
2: It's their first win but it's only their fourth game. Um so they they needed a big result to sort of kickstart start the season and, and going away to sort of you know, one of the title favourites and winning certainly certainly did that and um, Kalina's performance was more what we expect Jason Kalina to do as, as that marquee and, you know get the goal and drive on his team so you know he was impressive
1: he missed another he missed a absolute screamer as well that he should have buried
2: he just uh, he, he,
1: Traore set up on a plate for him in the second I think it was the second half
2: he didn't score enough goals last season, like he started well and then he just completely faded out on the goal score. He did
1: back. lay on a lot though for smelts, and, I, and yeah. I guess with Smelts not being there, he's probably gonna need to step up um, and, and they're gonna need to share the goals around a little bit more. Um good to see Bruce Chite back in the A League again, you know, we talked about how it's a big season for him. Um, you know, as it always is for these sort of soccer-oos or fringe socceroos that come back in the A League. Um, you know, will they prove that their sort of reputation is is earned, or will we say, well, do you know what, out,
2: yeah.
1: we've got better players here. Um, so league table looks like this at the end of six rounds. Uh, Adelaide top on fourteen points, three points clear I from Perth and the Mariners.
2: It's got the draw in it. Yeah, updated table after. Oh, updated time.
1: from yesterday. That doesn't change the top. Adelaide still three points clear of Perth and the Mariners, who are both on eleven. Sydney rock bottom on two points after six games. Who would have thought that? Um, and then you know, there's pretty much only sort of, as is always the case. You know, a couple of wins separating second and ninth uh, with Melbourne Heart in with five points in ninth and Perth with eleven points in second. So it's still, all still early days. And
2: that's not exclusive to early days. That can be like that halfway through the season. Well, it?
1: yeah, I mean, it was last season, yeah. wasn't it? You know, it was it was still the case of you know in the, in the back third of the season, like when the Jets were put together a sort of run of three or four wins and went from. Sort of eighth to, to third, you know, so um, it's still all to play for. Uh, we'll take a break at that point and we'll be back in the second part to uh, have a look at what's been making headlines on our website au.442.com
0: It's time to celebrate the rebirth of the playmaker We speak to Wesley Schneider and Mizut Ozil the standout players at the World Cup We look at the 16 greatest playmakers of all time and Southampton's greatest Matt Letizia answers your questions Tim Cahill talks about being the face of FIFA 11 We spend time with Sydney FC's Corica and Carl and look at the Major League Soccer lessons that could save the A-League Plus, we run the rule over Mancini's Man City. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This is
1: 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look at some of the headlines uh, making news on our site au.442.com. Now, Trev, we were uh, lucky enough to be granted an audience with the chairman of the FFA, Mr. Frank Lowy, on Monday. A couple of stories came out of that. First one was that um, he was pretty, pretty sort of cut and dried with regards to uh, Sydney Rovers in the fact that he said. you know that there is a there is a deadline and it's not a long way away where they will either be in or they'll be out. And um, they as yet haven't been able to come up with the five million dollars funding that um, the FFA require for a new uh, a new team. So um, it's not the best news, uh, particularly right. given the circumstances in which they were given the franchise, where uh, there were other bids, one fronted by Lucas Neal, um, that did see, appear to have funding in place, and they were overlooked. For a, for a bid that at the time didn't have funding. Mm. I mean, what's, what's your take on this?
2: Um, I wonder how far short they are of it, would be the first thing I'd say. They've got to the end of the month, but, you know, if they should think they'd have enough time to sort this out, I mean, how much do the FFA look into how they're going to get this money and how s- likely it I is to I think it has forward? to be
1: paid. I think it has to be a down payment. Right. I think it has to actually be registered in an account.
2: Uh, I, I mean like when they said you know you guys have got the licence yeah you know how much do they know about well how are you going to get this five million because obviously you'd have to say we're going to get it from here and here and well you is-
1: think so wouldn't you
2: and that, you know, that's a concern because I always think that about you know Don Mathers at, at North Queens and Fury because even though he lost some money there he wasn't in it for the long haul was he
1: well, yeah, and, and that's the problem is that just because someone's got five million doesn't mean that they, you know, that that's uh, at the current rate it would appear that that's the, the rate you've got to be prepared to lose for the first few years in the a- no, league. No, so, you're not going to make money. You know, away. So if all you've got is five million, that's going to last you one season. And, and what we can't afford is a continuation of you know teams sort of having enough money to survive a season. You know? Exactly. It's
2: like- I wonder what the reaction would be going back to the bids. That I mean, I think. Canberra, you know, we might talk about in a minute. is a little bit different, but in terms of other Sydney bids, if you went back to Lucas Neal and went, well, now actually, you know, (laughs) well, I mean, I I guess that depends
1: on their on their um, on how they're feeling towards it. But also, you know, a fair bit's happened since then. You know, crowds are down. We're going to talk in the next bit just uh, whether things are as bad as people are, as some people would portray. You know, maybe, and this was probably the the issue that Rovers are having is certain people that might have been willing to put the money up a year ago would probably be getting a little bit of cold feet at the moment. Yeah. um, Seeing what's happening everywhere else uh, and seeing that the next um, TV deal is still a long couple of years away. You know. Um, So I guess you know, if you're coming in at the moment, you probably might think, well, look, I might just sit on it for a bit. I might just sit on it for a year and see what happens. Yeah. Um, But again, you know, it's not great. For the A League um, to have this uncertainty over whether there will be twelve teams, whether there will be a second Sydney team next year, I get the impression that the FFA are committed to Western Sydney. I, I don't see this as being a door opener for Canberra, although they have come out again, and that's the next story with, um, with Canberra saying, you know, that, that they're still there. You know, they had um, they had around four and a half million. Um, they had twenty thousand signed petition 2,000 foundation members and promised financial support from the government um and is canberra an option
2: well i don't know about you but i perhaps would have gone to canberra before i went to the rovers yeah um just in the sense of how many leagues around the world don't have their capital represented um and there does seem to be you know the support there and i think they should they should be given the chance especially considering how you know what uh, shaky foundations. The Rovers' bid seems to have been on. So I would have gone to them before them anyway. Um, but yeah, like you say, I think they're pretty dedicated to getting that second Sydney team. And there were so many other people interested that I think if if the Rovers falls through, then I think someone else yeah. in that area will But again, jump in. I, you
1: know, and I, and I think Frank Lowey alluded to this it, it, that if they're going to make the call, it needs to be quick because you know by this time in Melbourne Hearts' sort of uh, life cycle. They'd already got the boss on board. They'd already hired the coach. You so know, it's we're, first October, We're, we're, a little, we're, 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 we're on the ten months away from them playing their first games. You know. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to do. You know, mm-hmm. and what we don't want is um, is it you know a club given six months, you know, and not being able to do all of the necessary things that you need to do to to launch a club properly. Um, I mean, Ivan Slavic, who's headed up the Canberra bid, has, has conceded that it's a very slim chance for them. Um, not just from the A. from the FFA giving them the uh, the opportunity, but also from his perspective, you know he says that they've been pretty much in a holding pattern since September of last year, and you know it, it's pretty dormant, and they'd need to reinvigorate sponsors and the government, and again yep. you know, other things could have changed. But you know you look at Canberra; they've got a team in the W League that's that been successful. They've hosted a Socceroos game with nearly twenty thousand turning up to Canberra Stadium. Um, you know we know that they are part of the World Cup bid. Yep. Yeah, so there's a lot going for Canberra. Um, it will yeah. come
2: eventually. You know, yeah, if if if, if, if Rovers' uh, Rover bid still goes through, Canberra will have a team. In, you know, in the next three years, he would say, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, uh, Gold Coast of uh out. Clive Mensink has, uh, has spoken to us today, um, talking about the fact that, that whilst they, you know, have uh, taken the sort of, uh, restrictions on the crowd to to save money, um, no one will be turned away. So, should there be more than five thousand. Fans arrived, they will be accommodated, and and you know, I, I guess they're sort of looking at well, you know, they've only played; they've only played one game at home this year. Yeah, um, it was three thousand six hundred turned up to the defeat against Melbourne. Um, the, the Titans have got a week off in the NRL, so maybe he's hoping that they might be able to uh, to break over the five thousand. And he's he's come out in the press to say that. Um, you know that there, there will be capacity, so people won't get turned away, which is good to see. It makes you sort of wonder, well, how are they doing that if the whole point was only having one stand? I don't open. understand how no. they're doing it. Are they going to let them on the pitch? Yeah, so well, or just, just stand the, around the side? They're still going to cram them into the small yeah. area. There'll just be more of them. Um, amidst all the uh, financial woes, uh, there was some good news yesterday uh, with eighteen million dollars um, kicking into football uh, with two projects. Um, from government money, uh, the first one was an $8 million grant uh, to help fund Football NSW's New South Wales's new headquarters at Riverstone, new state-of-the-art um, football training complex, which is due to be completed late 2012, early 2013. I mean, it's, a, it's an impressive complex. We've seen the sort of artists' impressions of this. Um, it's looking like nine built pitches. Expanding to potentially 15 in years to come, boutique stadium for 3,000 fans, swimming complex, gym, admin offices, licensed club, hotel accommodation, private football college. This is the future for me. You know, we yeah. need more of these type of football-specific um, revenue generators, really, Tony. Yeah. You know, we talked about the MLS in the magazine, and um, you know, I mean, do you see this as being the, the future for football?
2: Yeah, you certainly need stuff like this, you know, ticking along. I mean, there was the forum comments are quite interesting on this. I think there's a number of Jet, Jets fans who are obviously worried about their own club, you know, kind of going, well, where's the money for us? Shouldn't this be going towards saving us? But, you know, you have to look beyond that. You have to look more sort of, you know, long-term, and you need more stuff like this. I mean, this, this Riverstone project has been out there for a while, hasn't yeah, it? We've, yeah. we've, we've known it's coming, and, you know, we need more pitches, and we need more well-maintained, good quality pitches,
1: and that's exactly what it's going to provide. And also, just up the road, uh, well, an hour up the road on the F3, there's a $10 million grant confirmed for the Mariners, uh, Centre of Excellence at Tuggera. Yep. Uh, two full-size grounds, 3000 thousand-seat grandstands, all-weather sports courts, 5 side grounds, Pool, gym, sports medicine facilities, and again, um, work will commence uh, early next year, expected to be completed by early two thousand and thirteen yep. and I think as well the key, the key thing in the, in these is that rather than just giving a grant to run the team and, and spend it away, you know, this is building infrastructure that generates revenue, doesn't just suck it up, you know, mm. and that, that they can rent out the all-weather pitches, you know, they can run tournaments on there, you know, with, with the Riverston complex, with hotels and, and licensed clubs, you know, it's opening up revenue streams, mm. and that's what we need to be doing to, to, to help the clubs become, you know, and football become self-sufficient, you know, Completely, and yeah. I, think, I think we're clear that we're probably a fair way away from football being self-sufficient, sheer, Purely in terms of numbers through the turnstiles. Yeah. So I think all clubs need to now be looking at right. How can we secure our own revenue streams? And and, and part of that is by owning their own facilities that they can rent out. Um, and also the, the whole licensed club. You know, looking at the model for rugby league. Um, you know, where a, a, a huge amount of revenue kicks into the running of the football team from the league's clubs is another model that I think we could do well looking at. Yep. Uh, wow. FIFA rankings. Socceroos dropped four places and tumbled out of the world's <sighs> top 20. Dramatic. Um, does, does anyone really place that much by FIFA rankings, Joe? When we're doing well. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those We're things, up there, we'll get excited, but yeah. when we
2: drop out, and no one no one really cares. But good um, to see New Zealand in the top 50, I suppose. Yeah. Um, did you see the Chris Killen story in The Sun today? No. Um, pictures of him snogging his teammate. No. Yeah, I mean, they're they're sort of calling it a uh, a boozy night out, and they were just sort of saying goodbye to each other. But yeah, it's, they go go and read it because they've got comments from their uh, girlfriends as well going. Oh no, that's just them mucking around. But yeah, go on the sun. Okay. Scottish sun at the bottom. If you want right. to see Chris I'm Killen gonna... snogging his teammate.
1: All right. Uh, Spain obviously remained top. Netherlands in second. Germany in third and Brazil in fourth I can't remember the last time Brazil were as low as
2: fourth
1: bizarrely England climbed up to sixth which I'm not really sure obviously based on their two commanding performances but as we all know England are good at delivering uh, when it doesn't matter uh, look at France France not surprisingly have crashed another <laughs> sixth place and now ranked 27th in the world um, so I mean again you know the Socceroos ranked three places higher than France
2: these are recent World Cup winners and European champions yeah. and, oh, Christ.
1: Um final story I wanted to uh, oh actually there's two more stories I wanted to look at um, FFA uh, I thought this was quite smart timing as the uh, there's a lot of celebrations going on in Sydney to mark the 10 year anniversary of the uh, of the Olympics here and yesterday there was uh, there was a big reunion event for all the volunteers for the mm-hmm. um for the thousands of volunteers that made the Sydney Games uh, such a spectacular success and uh, the FFA took the opportunity to say that obviously you know there would be a similar volunteer army needed uh for the 2022 World Cup um Trevor which, I mean I think the the closer the link that the FFA can make between the scale of the Olympics and the scale of the World Cup bid, I think, is a, is a smart move.
2: Well, I mean, we've played off that well, haven't we? One of one of the best Olympics ever, or the best ever in, in some people's eyes. Aligning closely to that's one of the best things we can do. So, if we're doing it for this volunteer thing, you know, we've been doing this, you know, stuff with the FFA recently for for our upcoming Inside the Bid Book story. You know, and one of their mission statement things was, you know, they had a seven-point mission statement, and one of them was. This sort of volunteer angle from Australia, so they're keen to push it. And you saw from the the readers' comments underneath it that a lot of people are keen. I'll probably be, you know, watching it from a comfortable media box. But if you do want to volunteer, it's a great thing,
1: isn't it? Right, well, I'll, I'll be taking, I'll be asking for volunteers for doing your job during the World Cup for free.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Put,
1: uh, put you on gardening leave for a month. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're ex- they're asking for expressions of interest for volunteering in the areas of accreditation administration. Welcome and information services, IT and telecommunications, logistics, media, protocol services. Don't these sound like jobs? Yeah. I'll put the volunteers just like, hello, can I show you to your seat? Yeah, yeah, spectator services, ticketing, transportation, hospitality services, volunteer management, language support, all available. So look, if you want to... uh, if you want to show FIFA, um, and again, you know this is about showing FIFA that that, that people want the World Cup here, yeah. and I and I know that this is, you know, one of the reasons why they're doing it. Che- so check, you, check,
2: you are available. You haven't got anything on. Yeah, going.
1: check, you have got nothing on. I like, do. Please bear in mind that you will be twelve years older. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're thinking, yeah, that's no problem because I'm at school, you won't be at school in twelve years, yeah. and you might be busy in <laughs> June, July. Um, but look you can register your interest and we would suggest that you do at australiabid.com.au forward slash volunteer and the final piece which is a a classic and would go down in in one of the all time great hoaxes uh, right up there with Ali Dive for uh, getting a game for Southampton uh, was apparently a fake Togo team played Bahrain in a friendly earlier this month Bahrain won 3-0 but said they were surprised by the poor quality of the Togolese team. No one was more surprised at the the quality of the Togolese team than the the Togo sports minister, who had no idea that the national team was playing a match and and then said that it wasn't the national team. Um, They'd never been informed of such a game. So, So it looks like Bahrain have been completely had by a fake group of Togolese players that turns out that they might not even have been Togolese and certainly weren't um, Togolese professionals. Uh, not a bad
2: result, then. 3-0. Someone,
1: someone on another football forum, I mean, it was a classic, has, has reworded one of those... Uh, Nigerian sort of uh, Scam, letters. scam yeah. letters, you know so sort this of, I am the son of the president of Togo, and I, <laughs> I will bring my football team to play all i all I need is the deposit of uh, and your bank account details <laughs> so, but anyway, we 'll follow that one there is an investigation going on, but it looks like. Uh, Group of people um, could have played a game as a target. That's one for the pub in it. Yeah. I'll tell you about a scam. Uh, so anyway, if the FFA are listening, it might be worth just checking the Paraguayan uh, yeah. passports and uh, just make sure that it's legit before we turn out against them on uh, on October the ninth. Uh, so that's all the news that's been making headlines on our site, au.442.com. We'll be back after this break to discuss uh, the current state of playing the A-League.
0: Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300 4 Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to
1: 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's Four Four Two Insider podcast. We're going to spend the next ten minutes discussing uh, what seems to have been uh, the main agenda point for everyone in uh, in the Australian media and football circles, uh, which is the sort of naysaying and and scaremongering around the future of the A League, the future of Australian football, the future of football as we know it. Um, Trev, I mean, we you know we've been in in and out of the FFA over the last week. getting the content that we that we'll be producing in the next issue around the World Cup bid. Um you know, what what have you picked up from that and and how that sits with uh, the widespread sort of uh, you know, real sort of kicking that the FFA have been getting over the last sort of week especially. Yeah. I mean Frank Lowy said to us on money, you know, that, that you know he, he would have hoped for a little bit more of a of a sympathetic ride from from the football media especially and the football writers. He, I'd probably agree with him there. I think you, you know, I think that the game's small, still quite small here, yeah. and you know, there's nothing wrong with um, you know, sort of scrutiny of the game, but I do think that you know, we've all got a vested interest in supporting the game here, and, and that should be you know, a major part of our role. And I, and I think there's a lot of people quick to point out the problems, but, but not many of them are carrying many solutions.
2: No, I, I think the first thing I'd say about when people refer to them as the football media, they're normally football journalists on daily or regional newspapers yeah, that, that also have interests vested, elsewhere.
1: Vested interest elsewhere so, yeah. so they
2: may be writing it but they've probably got an editor and a sports editor above that are looking for different types of stories. So a lot of people say, oh we well, you know we're kicking ourselves because we've got football journalists you know criticising the game. Ultimately they work for newspapers where their interests lie elsewhere. So it's it's not completely like you know, as bad as people say, but this is always a bit of deja vu this time of the year. Before the AFL and, and the NRL stops, yeah. and the A League's just started up, and everyone's getting you know revved up about the season, and then everyone slates it in the, in the opening few weeks. Yeah. So I don't think this is unique to this season. I just think with the jet stuff, it's sort of um, highlighted a little bit more than normal.
1: And I think those opening few weeks have got longer, haven't they? Because it yeah. was a later start, so that that overlap was less. But obviously, as we as the expansion continues. Um, Obviously, the season needs to get longer, which again, you know, it is, two or three years ago was the thing that everyone was kicking the FFA about and, mm. and the game about then was, oh, it's eight teams, it needs to be longer. And now, it, you know, inevitably, as a result of more teams, there's a, there's a bigger overlap with the existing codes. And I think, mm. you know, I'd certainly get the impression that, that there, is, um, yeah, there is marketing funds allocated to the A League, but it's not going to start until after the other codes finish, which I think is. You know, is is sensible if you've only got a a limited amount of money to promote the league. There's little point in trying to compete with the final series of of the other two more established codes
2: yeah so another sort of disappointing thing is that midweek matches haven't really caught on you know you were saying earlier oh, that was a good crowd for a midweek match yeah. where in a lot of other countries they're hugely popular because, oh, I love midweek yeah football. there's extra the atmosphere people go straight from work and yeah. you know, sometimes it's a bit more of a corporate thing for certain people and they're not really caught on so in terms of how long the season has to be it's not like we can condense certain parts of it or have it in, like in England when they have a you know, run of fixtures around Christmas and New Year so you're kind of stuck with this length and it's just going to get longer and longer and it's just going to cut more into the AFL and rugby season which doesn't seem to be working yeah I mean what
1: what 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 would be the positives you'd say from the A-League at the moment
2: well you know the positives should be arguably the biggest positive that on the pitch it's yep. pretty good you know yeah. it's, it's still unpredictable some of the you know best goals I've seen in the A-League have been in the opening few weeks you know Flores Two goals have probably been a case in point there. Um, you know it's still unpredictable, like we know the A League can be. There's not been that many, you know, drab draws. Poor teams last season are proving good at the moment. So young yeah, players th- been given their chance. Y- yeah, Lecky. I Leckie, think Lecky, hard. Malik,
1: Daganzic. You know. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, and again, you know, this was something that four or five years ago. That was the problem. It was like, well, the, the quality on the pitch isn't there, and I think you know, it, it's almost like, you know, it, we can't, we're not going to have uh, a league like the J League or even the MLS that, that's 18 years old in year five or six, you know. And mm-hmm. for my, from my, the first thing that we need to do is obviously the league needs to be solvent. You know, it has to be solvent and and but also if you compare the T V deals, the relative T V deals of of the AFL clubs and the the NRL clubs and the fact that you know the NRL and AFL clubs have the salary cap taken care of out of that T V money, it leaves them huge amounts of money to to plug to plug into grassroots. You know, the A League is still is still massively in its infancy. Yeah. You know, and the next TV deal is the next major milestone, which should hopefully secure the day to day running of of the clubs in the A League. Mm. If it doesn't, we've got real problems. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important thing for me mm-hmm. is the product on the pitch is getting better every season. And that's that, in the long run, yeah. is going to be the key thing. And what if it's the other way around? What if, you know, the, the clubs, clubs were... The t- but, but the product was crap. It would, you know, it would fade out quicker. It's like, oh, OK, we've got all these rich people propping up this league, and uh, yeah. but I don't want to go and watch it. No, the, you know, that's so, more...
2: Weird. But I genuinely believe that every season that the A-League has improved... You know, slightly. It's moving in the right direction. It's finding its feet, and all that financial stuff is, yeah. You know, we still need to sort that out. But God, you know, at least we've got something decent to watch.
1: Yeah, I was doing a few sums. I was thinking, like, what? you know, could we find a thousand people with five grand? Could we create an A League club? So uh, five million. Our own one? club. Yeah, reckon thousand people with five grand yeah if, if we can do the it the producer's nodding he's, uh, he's saying yeah, five I'm grand right out his cheque yeah, exactly. right out his cheque we do it
2: we're not going to do it like Sydney Rose where people promise us and then we'll go, we go we've got it have you have oh, got yeah, the money yeah, no, we, no, got it, yeah. we
1: haven't actually got the money um, I mean what do we think are the most important issues I, I think one of the things and I, I, I've seen a story today I where I, uh, I think you know, one of the issues that we've had and, and North Queensland is a good example of this where, where we're reliant on one person um, to front up, and Clive Palmer, I guess, is, is slightly different in the fact that the sums of money involved for him are small potatoes. But but the Don Matheson thing, where he's signed up, he's the main person, but then he realises that writing off five million in the first year is a little bit too much for him, and, and I'm out, you know and, we're, yeah. you know, and the FFA are left holding the baby. You could argue, you know, and, and it's a situation that they've created, so, you know, they've made their own bed by yeah. giving him the licence. I mean, should we be looking at, at shared ownership models being compulsory so we're not reliant on one person?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, having several backers because, you know, at least if you lose one or two, you've still got, you know, other people to fill the void. I mean, going, you know, a, a lot of clubs are run through sort of, you know, numerous backers in the States that, are, you know, might have a celebrity and then, you know, more of a rich guy and there's sort of a blend of owners. So, yeah, I think it would be a good idea. In terms of making it, you know, compulsory, you'd, you'd still want you know, the Palmers and stuff, wouldn't you? But, you know, perhaps there'd have to be a criteria on, on who can enter it individually.
1: And what about fan ownership models and fans taking a bigger stake? You know, I mean, we, we laugh about the, you know, us creating, a you know, a 1,000 people with five grand, mm. you know, but is is there an opportunity to develop uh, more community models and, and by community, you know, where maybe 50% of the club is owned by the fans?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I and mean, these stuff... Old bond scheme at West
1: Ham. Yeah, old debentures and yeah. shares. You know, and it's and yet there are certain things that are voted on. You know, maybe there is a you know there's a chairman position that is voted on by the fans and and the other stakeholders. But
2: that's going to um, boost attendances as well when people have got you know well, yeah, but also, sense. you know,
1: you 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 know I I always think that the, pro, the part of the problem the Gold Coast have had is that the Gold, Gold Coast United is Clive Palmer's club yeah he 's positioned it as that it's it 's not the people 's club it 's not the people of the gold Coast's club therefore they don 't so they 't look at it in that way they don 't associate it in that way mm. whereas if you create that environment where clubs are stakeholders and financial stakeholders, it genuinely is their club
2: mm.
1: you know and you know i i 'm convinced that there would be people that if people are willing to pay four five hundred dollars for a season ticket at a club that they would pay four four or five grand for a season ticket at the club plus a say in how that club's run. Yeah. You know, and a and a vote on some of the key issues, you know, and that may be in terms of where the team plays, you know, who's the chairman, you know, the board and whatever. So I, I think I think, you know, the league needs to look at all of these models and and I think it would be a fr- refreshing change for a club to look at that. Um, the other thing is that, you know, A League clubs are not on their own. <laughs> Um, in in a losing money, but also being in you know overstretched in terms of their income. Mm. Um, you know, most Premier League clubs, you know, from the top to the bottom, uh, you know, as a, as an ongoing business would would be deemed a basket case. You know, it's only yeah. because the the TV money and the you know the, the the rights that goes along with that and the merchandising and their revenue uh, is so huge that someone's always going to come along and prop it up. But in isolation, they're not. They're not good businesses. Well, no, it's a poor model, isn't it? Yeah.
2: It's, it's an awful business model. It's
1: just that it has other aspects
2: which, you know, keep it ticking over. I mean, we've put up a feature online last week. Uh, Are Liverpool doomed? Um, which may change if they get taken over. But, I mean, that's an interesting read in terms of the sort of figures of trouble that they're in. Yeah. And a club like Liverpool, you'd have to say, one of the most recognisable clubs in the world.
1: So the danger is that, um, you know, with... with which the A League doesn't have at this stage is is you know the A League sort of value of the clubs is not really big enough for um, for someone to come along and almost mortgage the club against the money to to buy the club, which is what happened, which is what has happened in Liverpool and Man United State. Mm. And obviously the difference with the A League, which we should point out compared with these, is that you know the the A League clubs are franchises. The FFA own the license. The FFA own the IP which is a very different situation to Man United and, and Liverpool, which are 100-year-old clubs that, that own their own IP and have yeah. their own rights to go out and do their own shirt deals and own their own assets in terms of a ground and can do that. You know, We're still a long way away from that, whether we would ever move to that. Um, we've had a couple of tweets on this. Victory in Melbourne has, uh, has just tweeted in um, saying, no, it's not that bad, we're all just panic merchants. Um, however, Buckley does need to pay more attention to the A-League. Do you think that's a fair charge, That um, you know, or, or is it inevitable if you bid for a World Cup and with a football market the size of Australia, of course it's going to dominate your yeah. your attention?
2: I mean, the, the plan of the bid team was to take it from people within the FFA, so everything was aligned, so they weren't constantly, you know, a brand new team comes in and tries to organise something that doesn't fit in with the rest of what we're doing, Um in Australia, you know, football in Australia. In terms of accusations of this sort of eye off the ball, no one actually knows this, do they? They're kind of just joining the dots.
1: Yeah, and I, I do, you know, and I think that Lyle Gorman's taken over from Archie Fraser as head of the A League, but hasn't really been that public figure yet. That you look at Gallup and Demetrio there, mm. you know, and I, and I think there's some merit in that. Mm. Um, you know, I do think that that. The FFA do need to probably be a little bit more aggressive on the PR front. Yeah, uh, stand not not just in terms of waving the flag for the game, but also when the AFL and the NOL were dominating the press, putting a negative spin on the World Cup bid. Mm. I, I felt that they could have done a bit more in terms of fighting the corner, um, yeah. because fans will be a lot more forgiving. I think if they see you're as passionate about it as they are, mm. um, and I, and that's probably one of the things, you know, and particularly with with. Ben Buckley coming from an AFL background. If anything, he's almost got to try a little bit harder to get the, the foo- true football yeah. fans on side. Um, Adam Welsh has just tweeted in saying that it'd be good to compare similar new leagues like the MLS, J League, and K League. How did they develop? Uh, I mean, Adam, we did that in the current issue of the magazine. Trev, little synopsis on MLS lessons?
2: Yeah, I mean, just you know, a very similar sort of peak and trough to the league, really. You know, they you know they kicked off just after the world cup that they they hosted in the 90s um, you know, things built steadily. They went up to 12 teams, had to drop back down to 10, you know, cut a couple of franchises. Then they went through, you know... The they went cu- through a
1: period where a couple of people underwrote under- the league for a period of time. Yeah, or, yeah. And Most of the clubs was underwritten by two guys.
2: Exactly, and there was this real period that you could say it's what we're heading towards now when, you know, you know, crowds were dipping and it, everyone just thought, you know, it's on its knees. It's come out of the other side of that now and it just made changes that, you know, we mentioned in the feature about... You know, just little things but just constant the whole time and just a well managed and well organised league and, and now it's you know got great attendances you know all the way across the country and it's a genuinely competitive competition Henri there Beckham there so yeah the, the, there is a lot to learn the J League as well isn't one that I, I know as much about um but certainly worth
1: comparing because I think well, the J League. I mean, I know a little bit about it. The J League very much was reliant on corporate sponsorship, and we are still seeing the hangover from that with yeah. you know like and, and and the Korean League. You know like John Book Motors and a lot of the team names are still yeah you know like uh, are Red Diamonds. The Red Diamonds was the Mitsubishi. Yeah, you know, the logo. Rock, um, and they're now weaning themselves away from that, but yeah. but that corporate sponsorship and, and that that ownership, corporate ownership more than sponsorship, was what really got them through this startup phase, and, yeah. and now they're trying to. Yeah, but the Japanese FA have got a, a one hundred year plan.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, yeah, that, that was in the book, not it? hundred year plan. But back to the MLS, one of the things that I think was, was a really interesting point, and I, and I do think it has massive relevance to us here was um, the the move away from them playing in huge stadiums uh, and now move, moving into what they call soccer specific stadiums where the club's actually only the asset um, they can do their own sponsorship deals for things like porridge rights for alcohol and yeah they were saying that that, that, that no matter how good things are on the pitch if you've got 10,000 rattling around in an 80,000 stadium it yeah. doesn't look good it yeah. doesn't look good on TV doesn't look good to the people that are there, and it just feels like an inferior product. Whereas you put ten thousand people in a ten thousand mm. crowd or a fifteen thousand stadium, and all of a sudden it's transformed because it looks busy. It looks like there's people there, and I, and I do think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I would be looking at you know maybe downgrading our our expectations in where we expect clubs to play, and certainly any. I, I think a massive mistake would be a Western Sydney team playing out of ANZ.
2: Oh, that'd be you know, I
1: just think that would be suicidal. Um, so let's hope that if Western Sydney do get up, uh, they do the sensible thing and, and play at Parramatta Stadium yep. um, or even out at Penrith. Yep. Uh, is, is it the CUA Stadium out there?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but anyway, thanks a lot for, your, for the tweets coming in. And uh, I'm sure this won't be the last. Um, and you can read uh, our um, exclusive interviews with the team behind the World Cup bid in the next issue of 442 so uh, go out and grab that when it's out in October we'll be back for the final part of this week's podcast to preview A-League round 7 it's time to celebrate the rebirth
0: of the playmaker. We speak to Wesley Schneider and Mesut Ozil, the standout players at the World Cup. We look at the 16 greatest playmakers of all time and Southampton's greatest Matt Letizia answers your questions. Tim Cahill talks about being the face of FIFA 11. We spend time with Sydney FC's Corica and Carl and look at the Major League Soccer lessons that could save the A-League. Plus, we run the rule over Mancini's Man City. If it's in the game, it's in 4-4-2. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This
1: is four four two Insider. Hello, and welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're gonna turn our attention back to what's happening on the pitch and uh, not really sure how the rounds break down, Trev, but anyway there was a game last night. I'm not sure whether it was the first round first game of round seven or I think it's the it. last game of round six or the first game six. of round eight or um, but anyway, uh Melbourne drew, Melbourne Victory drew last night 0-0 with Wellington. Uh Wellington managed to get a point on their travels, which is more than they normally do. Yep. Um it was a pretty tight encounter, a couple of chances either way. Uh Ricardini had a good chance, Greenacre had a good chance, but ended
2: 0-0. Merrick uh, came out and said that he reckon the players looked tired both w- week 6.
1: I know. <laughs> And it's also, you know, it's like if these guys really, you know, want to go and play at a higher level and go and play in Europe, then, yeah. you know, they've got to be used to playing two games a week for, for t- 30 weeks. Backing yeah. up,
2: backing up, yeah. Because yeah. it's quite interesting to hear a few um, Tottenham fans moaning about, you know, when they they lost the Wigan game. Go, oh, you know, we just had to play to Europe in the week. It's like, yeah, that's what...
1: Uh, that's what you do. That's what
2: happens, you yeah. know, if you make the Champions League.
1: Well, anyway, whatever that game was, round seven kicks off uh, this weekend. Newcastle Jets play host to Perth Glory.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: Jacob Burns is set to make his 250th National League appearance, almost certainly collecting his 350th yellow card. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Perth, obviously, will be looking to make amends for their slip-up at home last week to Gold Coast.
2: Just while we're on Burns, did you read the stuff about the, the Vinnie Jones... Yeah. Not Who nut Caravello? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I haven't really heard any more about that other than Miron sort of alluding to it in the press Miron conference. Miron making
2: Miron-like comments the about it. The
1: old nutcracker. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. But, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not a massive surprise, is it, with Jacob Burns?
1: Not really. Um, but, anyway, uh, what do we think on the pitch? Perth uh, <clears throat> have, you know, traditionally um, not travel well. It's a long trip. Um, Newcastle... <laughs> not in great form so
2: hard to predict I know
1: I (laughs) I reckon this has got draw written all over it yeah I I think you'd have to go
2: draw you know just the reasons you say one how the Jets will will bounce back with the fact that they haven't started well they're not getting paid Um, but I mean it it would be a good game to bounce back against wouldn't it a a Perth team going well Yeah. Um, but yeah I'd I'd fancy a a draw
1: yeah Sporting Bet um, have Perth slight favourites at $2.55 Newcastle at $2.60 um, draw at $3.30 so I'd probably say the value there is in the draw
2: but you can tell by those prices the way they're spread that it's an incredibly hard game to pick
1: yeah uh, North Queensland Fury at home to Melbourne victory uh, North Queensland defender Gareth Edds set to make his 250th league appearance which has included stints at Nottingham Forest Swindon Bradford Milton Keynes and Tranmere Rovers um, before stepping up to North Queensland Fury <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, he's he's been a good addition, I think. He's been a, he's played well for them. Yeah. Uh, like him. He's a good lad. Uh, Melbourne obviously will be travelling minus uh Kevin Muscat who would definitely miss this game. Um Fran Starker in the press winding things up. Say that he reckoned Muscat was scared of going up there. mind games. <laughs> After what happened with uh who's the the guy I said opposite that Akoto?
2: Yeah, possibly. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I think he's back from suspension now. So, um, so how do we make this? be
2: renowned for running scared, isn't yeah, he? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. I yeah, mean, another not easy one to come. I mean, if Melbourne were tired from the midweek game, Fury's just had a weekend off, yeah. Fury at home going well, you would assume that they're the likely winners. But I said this a few times in Melbourne, they've got a real habit of, you know... You know, me predicting them losing away from home and them turning up and doing a really good away performance. Are they going to have crews back? Do we know?
1: Don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Too say. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a five fifteen kickoff up there, so it's still going to be quite warm. So it could play into Fury's hands. Um, on the betting, uh, North Queensland actually. Uh, Melbourne, victory of favourites, $2.40. North Queensland, $2.80. Draw, three thirty. So, if anything mm. I'd say, North Queensland might be the, I
2: think so, the,
1: yeah. the bet there. Uh, Brisbane, play host to Adelaide. Now, this should be a cracker. Yeah. Saturday night, 7.30 at Suncorp. Um, don't, don't
2: forget the Ian Fife stat.
1: Where's that? Ian Fife makes his 200th Oy. league appearance, which includes stints at NSL clubs, Adelaide City, Sydney Olympic, and Sydney FC. Wow. Um, is he going to celebrate it with a win, <laughs> um, or a shank into touch? <laughs> well, the
2: latter—the latter is guaranteed. In terms of the uh, the first one, again, another—you might have your five draws this weekend.
1: So it's worth a look.
2: I think so. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we were mentioning Brisbane's problems in, in front of goal. Um, Adelaide are ticking over well. I don't think Brisbane. I think Brisbane will try and keep it tight. They kept it tight all season. You, Top of the league comes, they're going to try and do the same. Um, I'll go for a draw if anything. I think Adelaide might shade it, but you know Brisbane need to to open up. Yeah, a Brisbane, bit. it'd
1: be interesting to see how Brisbane bounce back because everything's sort of gone their way so far. You know, they're not conceded a goal, they're not lost. Yep. You know, everything's been going right, and now they took a bit of a whooping in the second half against Melbourne. Um, yeah. So it'd be it'd be an interesting test for Andrew's team how they how they bounce back from that. So I guess he'll learn quite a lot about his side. Yeah. Um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see whether they come out and, and adapt. You know what has been a very sort of open and you know entertaining brand of football they've been playing. You've got to say. Yeah. Um, Melbourne Hearts entertain Wellington Phoenix. So, uh, so Clint Bolton is aiming for his 50th Hyundai A League victory, making the first goalkeeper to achieve 50 wins in the league. Um, now, I must just say, it was very not, like nice to see again a bit of smart scheduling. Um, with Wellington playing Melbourne Victory last night and then Melbourne Heart on Saturday, on Sunday. Yep. Because it obviously allowed a pocket of fans to, to travel over there for a week and see their team play twice. Because there's right. quite a big sort of little group of uh, Wellington fans there All last right. night. And I was yep. like, that, that's smart planning and maybe they should look at doing that with Perth. You know, because Perth, the Perth fans traditionally have their tour of duty every year where they go away. Hmm. And I, I thought that was a very smart bit of planning that, you know, you could play the both Melbourne teams on in the same week. And that's difficult there. to
2: tap into the away fans in Australia, exactly, isn't it? Exactly, because it's, it's,
1: it's sheer distance, yeah. yeah. How do we see it going on the pitch?
2: Um, I think Hart, you know, have to get their season ticking over, don't they? In terms of, you know, Wellington in town is one of the games you're really going to be targeting to pick up, you know, three points... Um, and obviously Wellington the players will be over there as well so they'll get a bit more time to yeah is, is, to it, it, to a ben- it, is it an
1: advantage to Wellington because they'll, yeah. they'll be playing on the same pitch for the second time in four days and they've already days. picked up
2: a point against already victory picked so the there's point. no reason why they can't uh, draw <laughs>
1: <laughs> it could be on actually we could be back after the five home wins last week we could be back on five draws
2: yeah.
1: uh, final game of the week is uh, Gold Coast United versus Central Coast Mariners then on Caravella uh he's set to make his fiftieth A League appearance. Hopefully his uh his voice has dropped back to where it was before uh, <laughs> last weekend's game against Perth. How do we see this one going? Mariners have uh, have been as difficult to beat as the Mariners always are. They've been grinding out the odd victory. Um we're likely to see Perez back available. Yep. Gold That's- Coast, you know, we said bit of a stuttering start um because obviously they've had two weeks off in the first five. Kalina's starting to fire. Um, Can they back up with back-to-back wins? Hopefully get
2: 5,001 fans, because that would cost Palmer 60 grand, wouldn't it?
1: Really? I oh, bet they'd just let him sit in the aisle. <laughs> Put him on a bench.
2: Yeah. Um, quite an intriguing game, really. So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, after Gold Coast good result last week, Mariners going well. Um, it's, it's probably you know one of the games we'd be looking forward to from this round. How will it go? I think it might be another draw, but if not, I think... It, the Gold Coast might kick on and, and pick up back to back wins, which will put them in a good position. They'll be up in the finals places, won't they?
1: Yeah. Uh, there's no odds on sporting bet yet for the, for the last couple of games. I did actually forget um, sporting Bet's odds on Brisbane, Adelaide. Uh, Brisbane two dollars forty, Adelaide two dollars eighty. The draw three thirty. So three thirty draw on all of those is a nice little uh, nice little learner. Well, what would that, that? If
2: you've got five lots of three thirty,
1: I don't know. Don't ask me maths questions <laughs> in a football podcast. <laughs> a lot 3 times 3 is 9 times 3 is 27 times 3 is (laughs) sixty-eighty-four. times 3 is about
2: 240 odd to 1 wow so
1: 5 bucks on that will net you a grand free money there you go you heard it here first Uh, so that's all on sportingbet.com.au and that's all we got time for Trev any parting comments
2: Uh, no by the issue
1: Buy the issue, there we go, it's out at the moment, our playmakers issue, uh, where you can read uh, that piece on uh, what lessons the Ailey can learn from the MLS, so if that's of interest to you, it's on sale now, Um, elsewhere we've got interviews with uh, Schneider, Ozil, uh, and a look at the great playmakers uh, in football history, pick 16 of the best playmakers Ever to play the game. That's all we've got time for this week. Please join us next week. You've been listening to Four Four Two Insider. Goodbye. Four Four Two
0: Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit Helms.com.au to find out more about our services.